It is time to eat. Grab a plate and join us at the table. This week's menu features options for both meat eaters and vegans. In fact, we are serving up some pretty intense options of both this month for your dining pleasure. You're listening to 2233, a podcast of exchange and food stories. Ukraine was really interesting because one of the ladies who came from Ukraine, we became very close and she was uh, she's a vegetarian. So anytime we go out to eat, she just like, hey, Ronsi, why don't you try being a vegetarian? It's good for your health. You'll be... And me, I was like, okay, let me try it. But I became a vegetarian only for one day. <laughs> This week, say, what's in this stew anyway? Seafood so fresh that it's still moving, and a surprisingly enjoyable time without meat while down under. Join us on our journey around the world to tickle your taste buds. It's 2233. We report what happens in the United States, warts and all. Exchanges shaped who I am. And when you get to know these people, they're not quite like you. You read about them, they are people very much like ourselves. And oh, that's what we call cultural exchange. Ooh, yes. Back in 1999. I was working as the public affairs officer in uh, China, in Southwest China. We had a consulate, and still do, in Sichuan province, in Chengdu. I was invited, along with my leader, our consul general, to uh, visit Ya'an. And this was a special occasion because they had just completed the Chengdu-Ya'an Highway, Going through the mountains, normally it used to take 15 hours to get there. With this great new highway, it only took two hours. So the Foreign Affairs Office, it's known as the Waibon, those are the ones that obviously work with foreigners and diplomats. They invited us to a banquet and was, was very exciting because Sichuan and in fact Ya'an in southwest China, is known as the home of the giant panda. And it is also where the earliest uh, tea plants in China were found. More than a thousand years ago, they had tea plants there. So very exotic. So we were taken to a, a lovely banquet hall. And we were given, I would say, about a 12-course feast. And I was there. Not only was our consul general there, his wife, his daughter, uh, my wife was there. We had a nice little group. And uh, the fellow with the foreign affairs office, our the person who was taking care of us, the local person, wanted to practice his English. So he was telling us, uh, about this banquet that that we had dish after dish. And there was one dish that, oh man, it smelled so good. And in uh, Southwest China at that time, there, they had chickens, there was pork, but uh, this was a very rich, aromatic, almost like a, a beef kind of a, a, a smell to it. This one dish was a stew. A rich brown stew. Uh, Mr. Wong, who was the our host, 
encourage me to try it. And usually I would defer to our consul general, but the consul general said, no, Joe, I, I want you, I want you to try this dish, this stew. So he put a, uh, a heaping portion, uh, in my, my bowl and I had a little rice on the bottom and then lots of this uh, wonderful stew. And he said, this is our special dish. We would like you, we'd like to know what you think of it. So I started to eat it. And mm, really, the meat, again, was uh, tender and uh, just full of flavor. Nice, nice meaty taste, rich stew. And I said, what, what is this? And he said, it's bamboo. And I'm thinking, okay. And then he said, rat. And, <laughs> and <laughs> as in bamboo rat. And uh, I had a, a full mouth of this. And uh, this is where I feel like I really became a diplomat because the initial impulse was to uh, get the bamboo rat as far away from me as possible and out of my mouth. But I just said, oh, and I uh, kept chewing and I swallowed the bamboo rat and uh, our consul general said he was very proud of me because there was uh, something of a look of horror on my face, uh, but I, I did manage to uh, consume my uh, bamboo rat. Uh, there was no harm done. Uh, there were fortunately 11 other dishes that were more easily identifiable. I, the remaining bamboo rat on my, in my bowl kind of got pushed around uh, to the corner. And uh, so it, it turned out not, not to be too bad. But then I wondered about bamboo. What is it? What is a bamboo rat? Well, there are actually four types of bamboo rat around the world. And uh, this one, fortunately for me, was the largest uh, type of bamboo rat. They are, say, eight inches to 16 inches. And yeah, it, it's a good size, uh, you know, about a, about a foot and a half. Um, they weigh four to five pounds. Okay, now we're talking a serious rat. And uh, they're solitary creatures. They uh, live underground. And uh, guess what their, their favorite food? All of you might have guessed, bamboo. They love bamboo shoots. And it's reassuring that their conservation status is that they're an animal of least concern. So uh, they are known as a, uh, a pest. And uh, so I feel like I did my part uh, to uh, try to reduce the uh, bamboo rat uh, population. And I have since uh, seen photos of a bamboo rat and they're, they're not pretty. And uh, that is my uh, exotic food story. I was just grateful that it wasn't a panda. I mean, can you imagine how bad you would feel if you had actually consumed a giant panda, given that Ya'an is the home of uh, giant pandas in Sichuan? stayed abroad in Nagoya, Japan in 2011. And I went to an izakaya, which is kind of like a pub, like a Japanese pub with my American friends. And we were with our Japanese friends too. And they, it was kind of like a course meal. So you don't know what they're going to bring out. They just brought it out. And they brought out chicken sashimi, 
um, which was just like raw sliced chicken in like a like an Italian dressing kind of thing. And that did not phase me at the time. Like I was actually kind of excited. I was like, oh, this looks really good. So we all ate it and it was good. But then later on, when I would tell people that, they would be like, oh my God, you ate raw chicken. Like that's disgusting, but it was really good. And I did not, like in Japan, I ate raw everything. I was not phased at all. Like like I ate raw eggs um, and the, the egg yolks are orange because they're so fresh. And in Nagoya, where I was, chickens are kind of the thing there. Like they're kind of famous. Like there's a specific kind of chicken that's from that area. And I'm pretty sure that was what we were served. So I was just really excited to be eating like this famous, quote unquote, famous chicken that even if it was raw, like I was going to eat it. And we ate the whole plate and it was really good. And then that whole raw chicken thing like became a meme later. And I would tell people like, oh, I ate that. And then they would just look at me like I was crazy. But I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still alive. If I were in Japan, I would totally eat it. Um, I would probably not eat it here. <laughs> um, even some of like the sashimi, like fish that I get here, I'm a little wary of. In Japan, I would eat raw anything. Like I ate stuff that was still moving, like fish that was still moving, and I was like not phased. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I was with, uh, I lived there with my family too for a while, and my mom and I were at this restaurant that was near um, like, the bay or the ocean kind of thing and they brought out this like mass I think it was squid it was like a mass of fish and it was like on this piece of lettuce and the lettuce was moving because the fish was still moving like it had little tentacles and it was just like still moving but it was dead I think um, and my mom was just like oh this looks good let's eat it and I, I was not phased I was not like oh my god my food is still moving like should I eat this I just ate it and it was good <laughs> like I, I don't know maybe it was because I was young and I didn't really think about that stuff but I just ate whatever was in front of me when I lived in Japan and I loved all of it even if it was still moving. <laughs> I've never had fugu. The whole like oh if it was cut wrong you could die thing kind of. Like, if it's still moving and I eat it and I'm not going to die, but I don't know, I might get sick. Okay. But, like, fugu is a little much. If somebody, maybe if somebody, well, the chef is supposed to eat it after he cuts it or after they cut it. Like, that's what they're supposed to do to make sure they got all the poison out. So I guess I would see that it's okay, but <laughs> I don't know. It's still kind of, that's still a little, like, too far out in the distance for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I would eat everything except fugu. <laughs> that, that's my, like, threshold. <laughs> I went to when I came in 2016, right? It was really good, you know. <laughs> but this is just to say that coming from a different, a different region where our food is totally different. Our food is more usually very heavy. Uh, breakfast is more heavy as well, you know. But it was really like in the morning you come, you want to eat 
tea and bread and coffee, 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 not even tea, coffee and bread. So um, I ate that. I had the lunch. I have the dinner. Yeah. But I was looking for rice. I was looking for swallow. I was like, oh my God, I've stayed here one week. I haven't had a good, strong food, you know, because that was what I wanted, you know. I mean, rice with stew, but you can't find it. You're like, oh my God. I think the place I was able to find rice that was very good was in Austin. Was in Austin, in a restaurant in Austin. And I was like, oh my God, I had this very big one. And I was like, good, you know. So that's really interesting. And then when I got back home and people were like, we were thinking you're going to add weight, like big. Why? What happened? I said, well, you know, <laughs> I didn't like the food that much. Because <laughs> I was looking for the heavy food, you know. Yeah, that was, uh, but... But right now, because I've, I've been traveling more, I, I mean, so I'm beginning to adapt and be more open-minded to eat any food. Yeah, so I think it's a shock. <laughs> Back in 2015-2016, my friend and I decided to go somewhere for New Year's. We we're torn on the location and ended up with Australia. We decided to go to the Gold Coast. So we did Airbnb and ended up with this host who picked us up at the airport and he was very bohemian and very all natural and like did yoga every morning and he was vegan. And I am a big uh, carnivore. I'm from Pennsylvania where Scrapple is a way of life for breakfast. Um, and for the listeners out there, Scrapple is the rejected parts of the pig for basically anything else mushed together and thrown on a griddle top. I loaded up with hot sauce and an egg. It's pretty good. So veganism is not really in my DNA, in my culture, as being a German-American as well. So this guy was like, oh, I'll make you breakfast and um, I'll take you out to eat to all these places. And uh, we had a wonderful time with him. And like the fruits and vegetables that we had were so delicious and flavorful. I had never had a tomato like that in my life, and I haven't since, to be perfectly honest. Um, and I guess it just goes back to, you know, just the quality control that the Australian government must have on these fruit and, fruits and vegetables and, and food. So it was great. Um, and I felt like I had a lot of clean energy. I could hike those mountains. I could go surfing on those waves. Like, I could do everything. And then on our last night, he invited us out with his friends to a vegan Chinese food restaurant, which I, in my limited experience at that time with Chinese food, because um, I grew up in a very small town, you had one restaurant and that wasn't even in within delivery range for us. And all you would get was like general so chicken or sweet and sour. We didn't get too crazy. And we went because I'm always down for a new experience. And it was very interesting because, you know, the friend, the group of friends kept saying, oh, well, you know, it tastes just like this dish tastes just like fish. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there going like, you're a vegan. Why? Why do you want to eat? Like, why do you want it to taste like, you know, fish or meat? But then I also learned that um, in Australia, you know, meat is extremely expensive. And this is kind of, I guess, society's way of dealing with that going, OK, well, 
you know, plant-based foods are cheaper and we can make it taste like meat by adding these certain ingredients. And when we went into this restaurant, it was hilarious because I was expecting like one or two people maybe to be there. It was packed. We had to wait for a table and it was known for being like serving vegan food. So yeah, I can honestly say that the I was there in Gold Coast for about three or four days and I ate vegan the entire time unintentionally and it was lovely. By no means am I a vegan, you know, now or anything, but it was a great experience. I learned a lot about veganism and, you know, the benefits of it. And it is easier for me to skip meat. In fact, I do it a couple times a week just to kind of reset, uh, reset my body. Twenty-two-thirty-three is produced by the Collaboratory, an initiative within the U.S. State Department's Bureau of Educational and Cultural Affairs, better known as ECA. My name is Christopher Worst. I'm the director of the Collaboratory. Twenty-two-thirty-three is named for Title Twenty-two, Chapter Thirty-three of the U.S. Code, the statute that created ECA. And our stories come from participants of U.S. government-funded international exchange programs. In this episode, our taste buds give thanks to Runcy Chidibe and three of my ECA colleagues, Joe Bookbinder, Melissa Tolentino, and Megan Crane. We thank them for their stories and their willingness to try new things. For more about ECA exchanges, check out eca.state.gov. We encourage you to subscribe to 2233, and we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at ecacollaboratory at state.gov. That's E-C-A-C-O-L-L-A-B-O-R-A-T-O-R-Y at state.gov. Complete episode transcripts can be found at our webpage at eca.state.gov slash 2233. And now you can follow us on Instagram at 22.33 underscore stories. Special thanks this week to everybody for trying new things and for living to tell the tale. I did the interviews and edited this episode. Featured music during this segment was Caramita Pachano by George Shearing. Music at the top of each food episode is Monkeys Spitting Monkeys by Kevin McLeod, and the end credit music is Two Pianos by Tagirlius. Until next time.